Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark, extra spooky edition. I'm your host, Justin Sanders, recording this on Halloween night with my co-host, John Stefanzik. John, are you wearing a costume right now while you record this? Uh, I'm an Ole Miss fan, which is kind of a costume in of itself at this point. Oh, so you're like a, you're like a sad person that's really bad at predicting the outcome of things? I said we'd get our ass beat. No, 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 but. no, no, no. I just mean Ole Miss fans in general because we thought we'd be good this season. But to be fair, John, who was closer to the actual performance in the Auburn game? I'm going to say me. I'm going to say Yeah, because I had a 32-point loss. You had a three-point win. We lost by 11. Technically me. Let's let's get into it. You know, I guess I stalled long enough on my little house. That was about a 10-second stall before we got down to the nitty-gritty. Ole Miss at 3-5 and five after a, what, third consecutive loss now. Uh, Auburn came yep. to town, and I mean, it was not a great performance by Ole Miss's defense, although they played well enough to win. Honestly, John, the big takeaway for me was ooh, ooh that's a that, no, that statement's inaccurate. You uh, don't give up three, you don't give up three hundred yards rushing and quote play well enough to win. They did that's play well enough to win, though. If Evan Ingram caught that touchdown pass, I mean, they, Ole Miss Ole Miss could have won easily. They. It's because Chad Kelly had like the best passing night. He had the best passing night in Ole Miss history. We knew that that was what our offense was going to have to be if we were going to overcome our defense. But okay, let me finish my point, John. Ole Miss's yeah. best simply wasn't good enough. Evan Ingram is, I mean, arguably Ole Miss's best all-around player at his position. He had a chance to catch the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth quarter. Not Perhaps not game-winning, but take the lead late in the fourth quarter. Um, dropped an easy pass. Next play, Chad Kelly targets A.J. Brown, throws a pick. Auburn defense runs the pick back like 50 yards, sets him up for a two-play score, and that's how you end up with that 11-point margin when it could have easily been a three-point you know, advantage for Ole Miss with about three minutes left in the game. But obviously that was a big turning point. There were a lot of of weird stuff going on in this game, though, John. Breland Speaks apparently had a bad week in practice, quote-unquote. Only saw time on special teams. Um... It was weird, but honest, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate my opinion. Ole Miss looked better than a lot of people predicted them to look. They were in the game late. They made crucial errors. They lost the game. Like you said, defense gave up a ton of yards. But I came away thinking Ole Miss could still beat Texas A&M. My opinion. If they played hard, Freeze has always gotten his teams to play hard, except for the Peach Bowl. But oh. we'll throw that out. Um. And he, because look, I mean, no, limited amount of speaks, no, uh, well, we had Hibbler and Taylor Polk out yeah. there at linebacker. Every week, as they were going to have a new starter at linebacker, apparently. I saw Free said in his press conference that Maneo is going to start to get short of the Southern, so who knows? Shit, who, whatever. Yeah, so. the, the, the defense obviously has deep flaws. Um, I mean, I think we're going to get our wish, John. I think this is going to be Dave Womack's last season in Oxford. Yeah, they. 
it sounds like Freeze is known. Honestly, who might hell? He probably knew in camp that he had some he had issues on the defensive side of the ball. If he didn't, and, then that's more embarrassing. Yeah. So, I mean, this. I mean, Chad played a hell of a game. They took him off the field in the red zone. That, that, yeah, that was the other play I wanted was, to. I wanted to talk about. That was another really turning dumb. point for sure. That was that was dumb. They weren't as efficient as they needed to be in the red zone. The D, it felt like the D, I thought the defensive line played a little better, but the, the, it looked like more just a, just no linebacker play whatsoever, which we know. I mean, I think the D line has been worse than people have, have pointed out throughout the year, but I thought they played a little better Saturday night. Uh, secondary blew a couple blew a couple coverages. Um, Watching watching this team try to play corners an absolute joke. It's yeah. it's really sad. Um, they're not they're not get, they're not getting any better anywhere from what I can tell on defense. No, that's I think the that's thing fair, that's yeah. really that's what's really disconcerting. It says you have to make you have yeah from that's, the, that's coaching. I mean they're not getting better schematically, focus, execution. I mean it's it's like watching. This is broken record theory, and off. I mean, offensively, they they mixed it up a little bit. Although they still, some people trying to tell me Akeem Judd's like a decent SEC back. He's he's a marginal SEC. I mean, Brasley Brasley is better than Judd. He's he's quicker than Judd. Neither one of them is really an SEC back. It's I don't know. Shame, I, I think Brasley sh- could be, but I mean, I I don't know. Behind our offensive line and in our dumb offensive scheme, where the only run play is a toss, apparently, I I, I don't know that he has all the tools he needs to be successful. He's not a great run block. I mean, uh, not a great pass blocker. Excuse me. What are you saying? The, the the defense we pretty much covered. It's a gut overhaul, both coaching and they got to get more personnel. How does this team get? How does Freeze get to run the ball better? I mean, is it just a talent issue? Is it a scheme? I think there's some scheme here too. I mean, the I mean, offensive line is is also depleted right now. I mean, there's injuries. There, it's it's got to be some scheme though. And it seems to me like we just don't have a complicated enough playbook. Sometimes, like how many plays do we run? Like seven. Like I just said, the only run play we ran was a tall sweep. I mean, basically, and then the the route combinations you see. I'll go ahead. I'll go this far. Uh, this whole idea we have the best receiving core in the nation mm-hmm. is bullshit. Stringfellow is good. We don't use him enough. Ingram's good. I think we don't use Stringfellow enough because he's inconsistent, honestly. But go on. He takes, yeah. play, he takes plays off, in my opinion. You know, Adam Borjo will actually go catch a couple one-on-one balls here now and then in his senior year. He has gotten better. I'll give him uh, that. Adam Borjo, will be, he's, a, he's a solid contributor. He's a, Van, he's a Vince Sanders type at this point. Van Jefferson was incredibly quiet Saturday. Looking back, I can't he, think of a he was. I, you know what? I don't oh. get John. Why? Why is it the AJ Brown thing and the same thing with Laquan? Why? Why do we just target him over and over? Is it just a matchup thing? Like they just got a good matchup and they went to him over and over? Like why don't they just target him? You know, throughout the game instead Both of just on single AJ drives? Brown and Demarcus Lodge appear just to be like one on one matchup guys. They they don't the yeah. route. Running is not their timing and route running is not developed to where they, you know, coming back to the ball, hitting the stop fade, this and that. It's just they're, they, they still they're, have time to get better, especially AJ. Demarcus only a sophomore. They're talented, but they're raw. And I don't. I think it's pretty well known that Herd's a recruiter, not an X and O coach. 
Is there real? Is there a co- single coach on this staff that we really trust from an X and O perspective? Uh, we really as as weird as it sounds. As weird as it sounds, I I kind of think that Werner knows what he's doing when it comes to play calling, but I don't know. I think that's fair. But I mean, um, Freeze. But can Freeze stay out of the, the offense? I don't know. We have no idea how much Freeze is calling these plays. But that felt like a Freeze called game to me. He was coaching a little scared in the second half. Well, whoever called the Peller and stuff. That's yeah, just, and that's got to be that's got to be Freeze's decision, right? To pull your starter and put in the Jumbo package. Uh, I would agree. That yeah, was feels- that was some dumb stuff, man. Of course, the snap was a bad snap, and it had no chance to ever make a play. But just. Damn, that was. At some point, you got to pass out of. I was yelling, so I I was. They had thrown the ball. I would have been like, okay. At least they tried something. Yeah, no, I was was yelling, like, kick the ball. Ole Miss was up by two. You could have gone up by five and then gotten. And instead, you know, they got stopped on fourth down, got nothing. It was dumb. It was really dumb. Um, let's see what else happened in the game. Cameron Petway obviously had a big game. Uh, I mean, he's a big back, and Breland Speaks not playing. That's. That's not going to help you when it, you're trying to stop a 240. Yeah, I didn't realize Breland didn't really play, which, I mean. Yeah, there's, that's, there's some that's mystery a problem, there. Because he's honestly like your only defensive tackle with really any real mask. Yeah, I mean, really. Cald- Caldwell's indefinitely yeah, suspended. So, so that's, a, that's a linebacker down. And then if we're having attitude problems with Breland Speaks, too, I mean, this is starting to worry me a little bit about the, you know, keeping the players bought into this whole defensive scheme. I don't know. I mean, we've seen it the last two weeks. We've seen the defenders fighting with each other. I actually, I guess it wasn't as bad this week. Huh? I mean, I, I guess at home. I didn't a, see anything on TV. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see anything at, being at the game either. I guess being at home, it's a little bit easier to to not let the crowd get under your skin and not feel like you know that everything's against you. And also the fact that like we like you said, Ole Miss was in the game pretty much the whole time. But we saw it last week at LSU. The defense, obviously, there's more going on there. I'd say than just talent deficiency in coaching. I think there's some attitude stuff there too. And and maybe that's, you know, keeping people off the field. I think that's probably the most likely scenario. I um, think Freeze's number one objective is to keep is to keep this team is to keep the chemistry to see from just imploding the rest of the year. He from the standpoint of guys that don't give a shit will be or won't play. He's more it's more of a how do you maintain something you can build in the next year from but, kind of Yeah, a, I still think I mean, obviously, bowl eligibility is the first goal. But you start with this week. You get Georgia Southern. Um, I, I think Ole Miss will handle them, even though the triple option will probably score some points, rack up a lot of yards. Ole Miss will score a lot more, my guess. But I, so they get a little confidence back then. Um, is that that next game is Vanderbilt after that? Is that right? Let me pull up the schedule. Yeah. No, it's A and M. Okay, so Georgia A&M, Southern, A and M, Vandy. So if you were State. if you were able to beat Georgia Southern and then yep. find some great game to pull off your fluke victory of the season at A and M, I think with that momentum, it's very possible to finish the season seven and five, perhaps eight and five with the bowl, and that's really kind of pulling it out of the fire a little bit, given three losses in a row right here. You go sign Cam Akers, and everybody says, but and then, then you, you get gotta the fire, thing. gotta fire Womack. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, that's it's just not going to work. The the four two five, it's just not working out. The players don't really want to play it. I don't well, think. the four two five could work theoretically. It but worked two thousand what two thousand fourteen? Is that the one year? Womack's Womack's just not. He's it doesn't work with him at this point. Or I, with I, the talent I we have, or something. 
I'd be a fan of them going to something either a three four or I don't know, just something, do something different. Essentially, it's kind of my thought process, but we'll see what we'll see what comes out of this. I don't know. There's really, I mean, I don't. They played hard. They played hard. Chad had a great game, but it kind of went the way everybody thought it would. They couldn't stop the run, and Auburn had more depth. Across the ta- across the field, and it showed over four quarters. Yeah. I mean, could Ingram have? And the problem is, is that handing the ball off is easier, is, is less stress than make forcing Chad to throw the ball sixty times to be perfect the whole game. Yeah. So that's where this is at. So anyway, I wonder, you know, how many? I, I I'm inclined to think at least one of Ole Miss's five losses. Thus far, you know, that more could still come. That's definitely not a surprise at this point. Uh, but I'm inclined to think that at least one of them could have had a different outcome um, if you had Ken Webster, uh, Eric Swinney, Jordan Wilkins, some of those guys, I, especially Ken Webster. I, I just – losing your yeah, best no, corner. No, Ken Webster Ken Webster's the big, the biggest <coughs> – Yeah. He's the biggest miss right now because he would – he would allow you to fudge and cheat for all, for right, a, right. That gives the, you better uh, matchups for the, for the other corner, and then you're down yeah. just to a little bit of line. I mean, you could, yeah, it would. He would let you get away with a lot, basically. So, yeah, but Vegas really knew what they were talking about, uh, putting that over under at seven point five wins before those injuries. I think they're uh, pretty good at what they do. Yeah, I think they did. Nail, they more or less nailed it. So, yeah. Um, all right, so let, let, let's talk about the student section for a minute. Yeah, I know, I know that's on your mind. Competitive. Mm-hmm. It appears to be about a perfect football Saturday. I mean, it was great weather. Eighty six is in the what, fifty seven was the low or something. Yeah, it wasn't cold. I mean, it's pretty much ideal. Six o'clock kicks good because I mean you get good and boozed up, but you're not just going to be annihilated. You shouldn't be just excessively annihilated. Bro. Yeah, I mean six o'clock kick is like the the ideal kick, I'd say, because you don't have to worry about getting up early to get to the grove or anything like that. Exactly for but a student, it's kind of the ideal kick, right? So, you would think anyway. you, you would think it would be ideal for a student, right? But yeah, this is kind of where you're going with this, huh? Yeah, they're up by what two at the half? It's, yeah, it's, up by it's, two it's, at the it's, half. It's, it's an entertaining game to watch. Yeah, yeah. The student section's thinning out in the third quarter. I mean, it's not like half empty, but you I, can I don't, tell it didn't get real bad until like ten minutes left in the fourth, and then it was like two thirds full at best, and that's embarrassing. I mean, what's the what's the deal here? Is this just the, is this part of Ole Miss becoming a bigger, more commercial school in a way? Is this? I think it's a catch twenty two because. The kids that you're that we're complaining about, they're not first and foremost Ole Miss fans. These are Georgia fans. These are Texas fans. These are yeah. you know these are out of state students that come to Ole Miss kind of for the football, but mostly for the Grove and the party and the square. You know, yeah. they, I mean, they 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 show up to the games it seems, and they they want to see good competitive games, but I just really don't think they they care at the end of the they day. Show up for the event, much. and then when the event's not cool anymore, they just bounce. Right, because they because they know they can they can go home and pregame for an hour and hit the square and blah blah blah. And like I said, they don't really care. They already watched Georgia earlier in the day, or 
you know, they, they already watched whatever school that, that they support, that they supported growing up, they that they're probably still a fan of. Or they want, their, they want booze, and they go back to the Grove. And I just really, I, I just really think that, I mean, all the students I know that either grew up Ole Miss fans or from Mississippi and at least have a little bit more of a geographic tie, I mean, they're complaining as much as we are about the student section. You know, they, it, it annoys them too. And I, I think it's a lot of our problems kind of compounding themselves, John, because – I mean, I think it's a lot of the same people that want to be seen with the state flag and want to be seen protesting the, the PC police and all of that uh, that probably also would rather go to the square than sit in the stands in the fourth quarter. I think there's some overlap there. That's my opinion. I think that's, I think that's a pretty good assessment over, overall. How do you – I mean, can you really counter that effectively through all this? you have or? to do what Bama does, right? You have to have a sign – okay, first of all, Cut the student section at least a third of it off and sell that, you know, GA or whatever. Just sell that to, to older people that want to come and want to buy the tickets. With the remaining two-thirds, I'd say you, you have to have assigned seats all season and do what Bama does. And if people don't show up or if people leave early or whatever, you know, they just lose their priority spot to purchase tickets the, the next year. Something like that. I mean, that's the, that's the only solution I can think of. Yeah, I think you shrink the student section down. Oh, I, I think that's inevitable at this point because there there's high demand for the rest of the stadium. The rest of the stadium was packed even with the uh, you know the four losses coming into this rest game. The, sta- the rest of the stadium looked good, the lights and uh, yeah. So do the lights? The lights look cool on a TV because they're really cool in person. Yeah, they look better. They, oh no, no, so but did you see like the strobes and stuff? Mm-mm. Oh man, that must have been during commercial. Like in the fourth quarter and stuff, it was basically like an NBA game or something. Like all the lights are strobing different times, and so it's really cool. It's like it, it was it was rocking. It was a really cool thing. I definitely suggest that some people check out a night Ho- game. Hopefully the, the hopefully the Egg Bowl's night game. It probably will be. It'll so. either be a night game or eleven a.m. Right, <laughs> given yeah. the, given the state of our two teams, State's got to play uh, Bama at eleven a.m. I saw in a couple of weeks. That's pretty funny. That's yeah. That's uh. Ooh, that's fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think first and foremost you got to check the student section, um, and I think you—it's also about education. I mean, the students need to take initiative among themselves and start a student-led campaign to say to the end of the game. I mean, it needs to be something that they want to do themselves, you know. And they should shame each other for not being there. But it's not going to happen this season, man. This season's a lost cause. Yeah, no, it's. It's something that the athletic department is going to have to work on during the offseason, and maybe they'll introduce some new stuff you know, in, over the summer to, to, to incentivize it. I, I do have some faith in our athletic department to think outside the box and try to come up with creative solutions to problems, so we'll see if, they, if they're able to do that. I mean, they already have the Rubber Rewards app. They already have some of these things in place that could reward slash punish people for coming or going, blah, blah, blah. I just think they need to adjust it and figure out, you know, the best way to get the competitive advantage of having the full Bolden Stadium the whole game. But I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, winning, the, winning cures all. Yep, that's all I know about football. Um, all right. So, what else do you want to talk about Ole Miss football this week, John? Uh, it's really about that's it. Really, I don't. I think. I mean, we've pretty much covered where we think this season's going to head. What we, I mean, really, what we're, yeah, what I'm you, do, what, do, you, do you predict? I'm more interested in the week after the Egg Bowl than I am. Me too. This, are you? Uh, are you? Are you in the six and six camp? Where do you fall right now? Yeah, I'm in the six and six camp. I think that's the most reasonable outcome. Um, I think the people that are that are acting like 
we're not going to a bowl, probably an overreaction. I mean, we'll see how we look at Georgia Southern. If we come out and just lay an egg against Georgia Southern, the team's totally out of it, then yeah, Vandy's going to beat us for sure, and maybe even State. But, I mean, I think if Freeze is able to keep the team, at least the young guys engaged and playing, I- I'm not saying Vandy's going to be an easy game by any stretch. They're really good. Look at their defensive output against some of these teams. I mean, Georgia, Florida, uh, good teams. Um, but I think Ole Miss, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm I, I, I'm actually starting to doubt myself on this. The more that I think about Vandy's team matching up with Ole Miss, I'm starting to get pretty nervous. I mean, Vandy could have easily beaten Ole Miss last year. Yeah, you, you have to hear about it too, which would be pretty fun. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm hoping. No, I'll, I'll, I'll lay off of that. But uh, maybe we'll hear more about it on the show. Um, yeah, so I, maybe, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe five and five and seven is a very real possibility. But I, I think we have to wait and see. I, like I said, I'm not going to be shocked if Ole Miss finds a way to find that unexpected victory in College Station. But anyone that's shocked at this point by a loss to anyone left on our schedule hasn't been paying attention. Um, you want to look around the league a little bit, John? Is that where we're headed next? Sure, why not? Um, I'm to... So it looks like Florida's in the driver's seat to win the East, huh? Yeah, if they go, if they beat, I mean, basically they need to beat Arkansas, and South Carolina. That lets them not have to. They don't have to go win a Death Valley oh, at that man. point. South Carolina, uh, you got a good must champ stat for us? Ooh, you got some saber metrics. Yeah, no, I believe he is. I believe he is five and zero oh against Butch Jones. That's crazy. We tried to figure this out when you told me that. How was that possible? Was Butch like was Butch? It was at Butch's last job too. Isn't this only Butch's fourth season? Yeah, you're. you're maybe it's only four and zero. Oh. Um, but still, that's that's embarrassing yeah. against a a universally derided Will Muschamp. I mean, that's ooh, that's rough. Yeah, four and zero. Oh. That's oh no, he is five and zero. Oh. This was six days ago. He said he was four and zero. Oh. Interesting. Oh, I guess, are they counting when he was the D.C. at Florida? Maybe. I Gotta be, right? I don't know what else it would be. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, wins coming well with Florida from 2011 to 2014. But Butch wasn't at Tennessee in 2011, was he? Where was Butch before Tennessee? No, or was, was Butch there in 2011? That's... Did Butch take over after Kiffin left for USC? Is that what happened? There's Dooley in there. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. No. Anyway. Well, yeah, either way, um, Tennessee losing to Muschamp South Carolina team is a, a head-scratcher, and I think it's got Butch Jones back on the hot seat, John. Have you, I mean, there's also widespread revolt happening in uh, Knoxville. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Cogbo quit. Uh, Jalen Hurd quit. Yeah, Jalen Hurd's transferring. Like, what is going on there? I just don't even. Yeah, I mean, it could always be worse. I mean, you, you look over at Mississippi State giving up 41 points to Samford and getting that moral victory because they scored 56. And you look at Knoxville and Butch Jones has a, has had about a rough a season as Hugh Freeze, except even he's even losing his current players. I mean, it could always be worse, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think Arkansas had a bye this past week. Yeah, Alabama, Alabama had a bye. It's a not, quiet week. A and M had a cakewalk. Yeah, New Mexico State. Kentucky, Kentucky beat Missouri. Like woohoo! What so a great Stoops, game. Uh, Stoops is going to survive this season, huh? Kentucky could actually win the East. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying, um, statistically, it's possible. It's yeah, a real possibility. Florida beat Georgia. They're up to ten in the country. They, they could be like eight and one, but then I think they lose. I think they lose to LSU. They oh, lose. no doubt. Yeah. And then they'll go. They'll probably lose their last three potentially. 
But yeah, really not a. I don't think there's anything. <clears throat> excuse me. I don't think there's really just a whole lot of notable anything notable in the league. Not really, but Looking we got a uh, Bama or LSU coming up this weekend. That's a big one. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think LSU has a shot at making that really interesting. It's in, really, De- it's in Death Valley. Because it's in Death Valley. And can they rattle Jalen Hurts? You know, the, yeah. The crowd. That's really the question. Here. It, it's going to be a really good game for sure. I mean, it's, it's a high-powered matchup, I'd say. Although, not so much sideline versus sideline. But if we're talking about talent, there's a pretty good. that's a pretty good uh, matchup. Although, I, I, I think, think... I think Orgeron... Is you know, matured, he, he's better. He, he beat a top five Stanford team at USC. Right. He's not. He's not a bad in-game coach anymore. He mm-hmm. he's learned from his oldness. Well, people. he's also he also took over for a notoriously bad in-game coach. So he probably kind of looks a little better by comparison. Ed Orgeron can make this a four-quarter game. I'm I genuinely interested. believe that. I'm interested. I, I want to watch. Um, although my my counterpoint on Orgeron would be like. Could he actually do it himself from the beginning? You know what I mean? Could he Could he build up a program? I don't know. But you give him a program like USC or LSU with these recruits, and yeah, he, he's a good coach, it seems. He's better than he was, for sure. Yeah. Um, Let's see what he comes up with. Looking ahead of this next week, it's mm-hmm. Georgia Southern Ole Miss. Is it new? A lot of new games here. Yeah. A&M, Mississippi that's State. A, that's 11 for most of our listeners. Go on. True, yeah. Noon Eastern. Go on. Vandy, Auburn. Uh, A&M at State, that's an 11 as well? Yep. Interesting. So they're doing all the uh, – it's all at 11, and they're clearing out for Florida, Arkansas, and uh, – so we got it. Florida, Arkansas is the 230, and then yeah, LSU, yeah. Alabama is the – it's the one-year anniversary of the weekend of the uh, 4th and 25 Arkansas game. Yeah, wait, because that was because that was the two thirty CBS leading into Alabama LSU that night. Right. But did so, you see? Uh, did you see this freeze quote from the press conference about the student section? No, I did not. What did he say? He said, uh, "Does it bother me that some seats are empty at an SEC Western Division game with a one point halftime lead when you come out? It does. I would hope they would stay for that, and many do. I wish the ones that choose to leave will certainly reconsider it because we need their support." We need that place to be difficult, and they're probably the ones that can make it the most difficult. First of all, he doesn't know the Ole Miss students at all because they're the quietest part of the stadium by far. But, I mean, I agree. It just, it, it's got to be deflating for the team to see the, the student section thin out like that. I mean, I, I agree it's better to have them there, but I'm just saying, I mean, the students at Ole Miss are bad fans even when they're there. But that's, I'll, I'll stop. But, um,. So so much positivity makes you feel so good about it. <laughs> I mean, look, okay, look, this SC Country story has a picture from the fourth quarter, and it's really, I mean, it's 70 to 75% full, if not more. I mean, it's a problem, but it's going to be, I mean, it's just something that I think most schools probably go through when they expand their stadium. I don't know. Yeah. I, Typic- I don't know. Typically, it's paid sections, though, not student section. That's what's interesting about it. But anyway, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I think Ole Miss is kind of an, an atypical student body, at least compared to some of our our SEC rivals that are. That's, that's, I think that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it really is a a UN of sorts of the SEC when it comes to all the different Southern states that are. 
prominently represented uh, in the Grove and on Old Miss's campus. Um, and I don't know if it's a good thing, like we're saying. I mean, we've talked on this show for two years probably about the uh, the pitfalls of out-of-state students and you know why they come to Ole Miss and what they're looking for specifically. But at the same time, we want their money, and the reason Ole Miss can get better and grow is because we can attract you know out-of-state students. So it, like, it's a catch-22. I don't know what you can do about it, but we'll see if we can figure it out. All yeah, right. we talked about Tennessee. Um, mm-hmm. We mumped we, him and hawed about this season. I'll be honest. I looked up the basketball schedule last night. That's yeah. where I am with this football team. Well, no, I think I, I mean as as I've been mildly harping on because I thought football would be good, so I wasn't too worried about it. But I'm probably gonna um, go all in on it now. I, I think this basketball season is gonna be really fun. It's gonna be a good team. Um, so I so I looked at it and realized that I'll be home. What Kentucky kicks off SEC play in the Pavilion December 29th. That's dope. That I can actually like be able to attend that game. I so. might actually. I, I, now that you mention that, I might look up some tickets. I, I'm gonna try to secure some tickets for that one earlier. That's gonna be fun. 108 dollars on StubHub right now. Well, Eden. we'll uh, we'll play the middle and we'll see if we can uh, wait. Like no, SEC single game tickets go on sale November 25th. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I saw that too. So that's uh, let's see. There's a there's a exhibition against Morehouse in three days. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Did you, I'm guessing you heard about the there, there was a close scrimmage over the weekend against Arkansas Little Rock. Yeah, I heard. I mean, they were and they were uh, they were around a six around a 32 team last year. I mean, they're they're not bad apparently. And Ole Miss controlled the game the entire time. Um, I had something that I that I realized today, and I think I might have known it earlier and just forgot it somehow. But Cullen Neal has two seasons of eligibility because he he graduated in three years from New Mexico. So this team could actually be good tiers in a row, assuming the Drake transfer that's sitting out right now is going to be able to come in and replace Saez next year. But that's oh, kind of they're getting some other guys too next year coming in. Yeah, yeah, so. that's that's so that we could we could see some early returns from the Pavilion if AK is able to break his on off cycle that we've kind of gotten used to the last few seasons. I mean, I mean, the biggest com- the biggest compliment for the Pavilion is that nobody bitches about Andy Kennedy anymore. That's pretty amazing to think about. Right, so. and Andy Kennedy quietly the the most tenured coach in the SEC. It's just it's great, man. I, I love it. Is AK. that right these days? Yes, sir. AK, he's the dean of SEC coaches. That's what Ole Miss Stallings calls him. left. Where's Stallings? Stallings got fired. Uh, I forget where he went. Miami or something? I don't, I don't remember. No, not Miami. I don't remember where he went. Um, I, but yeah. I don't. He's the most tenured guy in the league. Yep, it's AK. I mean, Cal is Cal, but he hasn't been in Kentucky as long as AK has been at Ole Miss. Yeah, he's been around longer than Mark Fox. Yep, Mark Fox was hired like a year or two after him. So they're pretty close. So. Yeah, and I mean, among among those coaches that he uh, he won, I think third all time, either third or fourth all time SEC coaches in their first ten seasons at one school. So, I mean. A function of that is, you know, playing more games, the, the modern schedule. But still, AK is, like, sneaky competent, I think, at being a basketball coach. And he's, No, he's a good coach. I mean... We'll probably be changing our tune come uh, come February when they slide from a projected nine seed to on the bubble to off the bubble, you know, he's, as we're He's always to. gotten more out of teams, much more out of teams than he, is, than he should have. I can't really think of a season he really underachieved with the roster maybe 08 yeah. 09 with that whole he had a 
what's his face, uh, Polonese and Tariqa White. Right. But, I mean, they just barely missed the tournament. Probably should have gotten in. But with that being said, I think he. Um, I mean, he's never just brutally disappointed, and he's really. He's. I think he's gotten better from like what he gets out of his team standpoint over the years. So. Yeah, I, I think we'll he's see. a he's a coach that learns from the past mm-hmm. and, and adjusts to be better. But so I think we're looking at a lineup right now of DeAndre Burnett, Cullen Neal, uh, Saez, and then probably for man, for Manavicious, however we're going to say that, we'll figure that out. I don't know. Uh, uh, AK really talks him up a lot, says he's the hardest player on the team, or hardest playing player on the team, all that. And I think probably round that out with Terrence Davis, who they say is really improved. Um, I don't know. That's that's It's intriguing, all the pieces AK has to kind of move around this year. He has... A lot of height, but it's inexperience. He has a 6'10 freshman, a 6'9 freshman. Um, as I mentioned, that Drake transfer, Oled, Oled, this is this is going to be tough, guys. I'm going to have to listen to uh, David Kellum say some of these names and then pick up on the way he says it because I don't know how I'm going to say it. But I was calling the Drake transfer for now, 7-footer. He's going to be sitting out this season. Um, but the future's bright for AK, I'd say. That's yeah, a good spot. Just, just remember that the uh, New almost New England club's official official feelings toward Freeze is that he needs to stop doing missionary work and start coaching more. So, yeah, no well, more ph- mean, no more philanthropy. I mean, we we would expect nothing less from our our icy Patriot fan, uh, old Miss brethren. So, yeah, thanks. Yep. Duly noted. Um, I I assume hey, the Southern so Baptist that, contingent would that, push back on you. Saturdays are for the boys and Sundays are for winning. That's how life is in New England. So. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely won yesterday. The Pats looked real good. Yep. Cowboys won last night. Dak attack in full effect, baby. Cheese continues. So, Man, that, uh, that, that winning play, that what's-his-face was so freaking open, the tight end. Yeah. Um, I think so. I'm thinking of who. Uh, so I guess we'll do our segment Cuck of the Week. All right, your segment. Go on. And I've been trying to figure out who the Cuck of the Week is. Hmm. It's got to be Butch, right? It's got to be Butch. Oh, that's a good point. It's definitely Butch. I mean, he got beat by Muschamp for the fifth time, and he lost Kongbo and uh, and Heard. That's that's pretty <laughs> cucky. That is yes. That is that's a no brainer. Yeah, but what were you but you can still give your, your thought you were gonna give if we didn't have anybody. I was thinking that the Ross Bjork Cuck of the Week was gonna be Ross Bjork just because the student just section didn't give a shit about the city. I was kinda where I was. Just going because with that. You, you just don't like Ross Bjork lately. I understand. I get it. Uh I think you I think you mean um Vice Chancellor and Director of Athletics, Ross Bjork. Now I'm sad that you point this out. <laughs> yeah, they uh, they announced him that way. I think at least twice during the game uh, for different stuff. So that was fun. God, I don't even. Want, what's his salary? Is, what, is my question. Is he making a million dollars now? No, no, I don't think so. I, I think it was it was it's like probably bumped to like six hundred. He was only making like four. No, no, he no he got bumped to six hundred. He got bumped to six hundred before this. I thought he did. Um. So the four year extension. Let's see how. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is from April seventeenth, twenty fifteen. This is the current one. He he's at six fifty. Yeah. See. No, I'm saying that's what he's at now. What do you mean? No, that was the twenty fifteen one, correct? Oh, you're saying he got bumped against since then? I just thought that was the one that just now got pushed through. 
No, no. Say that April. You see, I thought you said April 2016. April 20. Right. Yeah, this was April. Yeah, this was April 2015. So I guess he got another raise, but for some reason it's not coming up on Google. So he's making 650 as the AD. Now he's a like vice chancellor. He got he he's at least making 900 thousand. He's probably making a million bucks. He's probably at least making 900 thousand. Ooh, Randy Moss got a pretty good costume here as a Viking. That's pretty good. So he's dressed as a Viking. Oh, let me let me flip on the Monday game on the TV here while we're. Randy Moss is doing a good job with this. So. Yeah, you know who uh, is a surprising, like decent, uh, pregame guy? Uh, a Rod. A Rod's really good. A Rod's really good on TV. Yeah, he's he's cool. He has really good insight. I've never understood why A Rod's hate as much as he is. Yeah, me neither. I, I think he was probably like it was probably his cockiness in his prime. I guess I don't know. Yeah, I guess. Um, I mean, but, could, yeah, go on. I mean, he kind of comes across as a douche, but whatever. Right. So, but yeah, I think I, I think I like A Rod as a douche. What the MLB did to him, suspending him for a year, was ridiculous. I mean, he should Rod's get, good. Yeah. Pete Rose is insane and strange. Yes. I don't know why Pete Rose is on TV, honestly. Because he has four thousand hits and he's he gets ratings. He's yeah, but he was like banned from the game. I mean, like that's that kind of balances it out, doesn't it? Yeah, it's pretty key. It makes no sense. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, should we talk about the Cubs? Are we there yet? Yeah, we can talk about the Cubs. Um, they they were in in uh, in the running for Cuck of the Week, I'd say, before last night. Um, if they just rolled over and and went zero and three at Wrigley to let the the World Series end, but. Uh, facing elimination last night, put together a good effort. Uh, Madden made what I thought was a, a, a kind of a stupid decision uh, in the seventh to to bring in Chapman with only one out, man on second. But Chapman worked a very impressive eight out save. Uh, won the game three to two. Didn't give up any runs after he came in. Um, headed back to Cleveland, playing tomorrow. So I guess Kluber is going to be game seven, huh? Tomorrow is um. Not Bauer, the yeah. other guy. Yeah, somebody else. The, the, um, yeah, their other one starter because they only have a three starter rotation right now. But I mean, it's still not a great spot for the Cubs. The Indians just have two games to win one. The Cubs got to win them both. But I mean, they have more rested pitchers right now. Although I think Cleveland starters might be a little bit better than the Cubs starters, from what I've seen. Yeah, that sounds about right. I don't so. know. Uh, it's. Uh, I I think it's advantageous. To have um, the DH for Schwarber to, to to play games six and seven in um, in Cleveland. Yeah, I in think Cleveland, I think you might be right because Schwarber I, I think, didn't even get I, I in think these games. Playing in Wrigley puts more pressure. Yeah, that's on a the good Cubs. point. That's a good point. And having Schwarber in the lineup's a big advantage and really helps. Yeah, him having play. Schwarber gives them a lot of confidence, and and he has he has not been cleared to play the field, so he he really can't even come in in, in, a, in a game where he's not DHing. Um, what what is uh who's playing in this game John is it the Bears and the Vikings yeah Bears and the Vikings that right that's right okay so kind of uh I don't know the Vikings are still decent right I, I haven't seen them in a couple of weeks but they looked good in the beginning of the season well, they got beat by the Eagles last week but the Eagles uh, are pretty good though yeah the Eagles defense especially is is, is solid um, I don't know. What else do you want to talk about this week, John? We got we got some time here. 
I think we just need to go ahead and have this conversation. We, just, we should just go ahead and chat about this. All we right. are eight days away from the election. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay. All right. Go ahead, John. Do it. Uh, so Hillary looks like she was going to waltz to a victory here. And yeah. then James <laughs> Comey is like, nope, we're going to look at more emails. <laughs> and literally the 14-year-old dick pics has got this country just at the precipice of potential well hillary still is gonna win this it feels like but like it seems i I think if hillary the way that hillary would not win is if 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 her voters feel like it's hopeless and they they, or if people that were reluctantly supporting her as a lesser of two evils just stay home because i mean trump has a very passionate base that is gonna vote and turn out for him no matter what Hillary has the job of convincing the rest of the country, which is enough to win, that they should vote for her instead of him and convince them to actually vote, which I think is the hard part in this election. You look at early voting turnout, especially among minorities. Um, it, it's not great right now in North Carolina. I think the African-American vote's down by like 17% from where it was in 2012. Of course, the 2012 vote was down from 2008. Um, Hillary definitely still has the easier path. I, I think she's still... Something at eighty percent right now by by most models, but that's that's down from ninety percent before this whole Comey thing on Friday. So things are shifting. I, I polls said something about sixty to sixty five percent of voters said the emails don't change their vote. But John, that scares the shit out of me because that means it does matter to a much bigger portion than I thought it would. Although, I think that, go on. Uh, it feels like the door might have gotten cracked just enough to where you have to sit there and go, hmm. I'd say the door is cracked. Tuesday. I think it just as went... Oppo- as opposed to beforehand, it was like, well, this is just inevitable what's going to happen. It just went more than likely, and I could be wrong here, but more than likely, it just went from Hillary winning 350 electoral votes to Hillary winning 290 electoral votes, something like that. That would be my guess. Sounds about right. I mean, I because the thing you have to remember about Trump is... The way the map has changed for Republicans, with Virginia being totally gone, Pennsylvania being totally gone, Michigan pretty much in the tank for Hillary, Trump has to win Florida, Colorado, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, and Iowa, plus Nevada, just to be at 270. So even New Hampshire, like New Hampshire's four electoral votes, I think it's four, maybe six, four, I think. That four. Even those are a huge part of Trump's path. That's how that's how narrow the path is for Trump right oh, now. Oh, yeah, he has a very narrow And, and especially when you realize that one-fourth to one-third of the electorate's already voted. I mean, it, it, I don't know. The thing about the emails that you have to ask yourself is, are there still a bunch of people that were kind of okay with Hillary's emails, but now they're going to change their mind? It seems like an issue that was pretty much decided by voters at least two months ago. But I don't know. I mean, obviously people are going to wait and see, you know, oh, maybe this is the smoking gun, et cetera, et cetera. Everything I've seen, if there's a smoking gun, it hasn't been found yet. Comey's covering his ass because it's 650,000 emails. If he said nothing, if Hillary got elected, and then, you know, obviously for the past two months, she's been saying, you know, I've been cleared of all wrongdoing by the FBI director, which in a way was true. He did say that... uh you know, no reasonable prosecutor would bring charges against her situation, et cetera, et cetera. Although he, he also, you know, couched that by saying that she was extremely careless in her handling of uh, classified information, et cetera, et cetera. I think he's, he was afraid 
that maybe in a month, two months, three months, because it's going to take him a long time to go through this stuff, sort through it, redact it, see what's classified, what's not classified. If he was to find that smoking gun, he would look like he had failed, I guess, as the FBI director. He had looked like he hadn't informed the American people, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other side, John, I'm interested to get your opinion on this because I, mm-hmm. I think we have different takes on this election. But I, I would say that Comey's actions on Friday were irresponsible. I, I mean, that's that, such a vague statement. It, it's, it's almost like he – how do you – you have to know that that's going to be interpreted to the extreme – by by, think, by the people running against her. Go on. I think the best thing I heard is that I think Comey kind of had his hand forced. I think he, I think the internal FBI was, was wanting, wanting more in the initial wave. And he said, we're not going to basically do anything. And then now this another wave comes out and he has to at least acknowledge it. But what are you, what are you referencing? Like what, what a more, well, what? They did, the whole investigation and they came to no, what was it? No, not, was it no charges initially from the whole... No, there's no charge. He said no reasonable prosecutor would ever bring a case against her. I mean, it's also not his job. It's the Justice Department's job to bring charges against people. I mean, he's the investigator. I think there's probably some internal FBI politics going on here saying, look, you got to acknowledge this, and you probably went light the initial round. Who knows? I mean, it's... I... Uh, I mean, if you look at what Comey actually did, he's gone far above and beyond to discuss this case in the public eye. And you can argue that that's required by the fact that it's a presidential candidate, or you can argue that that's kind of against the spirit of FBI investigations. But either way, I think if you look at Comey's statements and the congressional hearing that he had three months ago, he really, I mean, like I said, it wasn't his call to charge or not charge Hillary Clinton. He really didn't go easy on her. I mean, he, I don't know. The the whole sending the letter to, to the Congress before you actually know if there's anything in the emails that's even new seems a little like putting your thumb on the scale, which is exactly what the FBI is not supposed to do. I mean, this is a I'm, Bush appointee, let's not forget. I'm pretty shocked that he actually, that something happened like 10 days before the election. Well, I mean, I would be okay. I would be totally fine with it. If he had released like damning evidence 10 days before the election, what I don't like is that he said it might be nothing, but Hey, maybe it's something like, is that how law enforcement's supposed to work? I I don't know. Law enforcement's just a big joke. That's at the end of the day. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the FBI, they have a pretty checkered past. I mean, just Google FBI and Martin Luther King and you'll see some pretty terrible things. I mean, the FBI isn't like, you know, some pristine organization. This is the first time that they've done something questionable. But it is definitely strange. It's made the election more exciting, I guess. Um, As we we discussed at the beginning of this segment, I think uh, the door is cracked. So we'll see what happens in eight if days. Hillary if Hillary wins, does this thing, yes. this whole email slash if, whatever, just drag on? For, yeah, yeah. If Hillary wins, um, we basically get Bill Clinton two There's congressional hearings. They attempt to impeach her. All the WikiLeaks stuff. I mean, it's going to be interesting, John, because I want to hear how Republican lawmakers try to prosecute Hillary Clinton for corruption based on. Russian hacked emails that were released to influence an election. Like, that just seems like kind of burning the candle at both ends there, doesn't it? That feels like America in 2016, I've ever heard it. So, <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, maybe know, that but, is where we but, are, but that's just kind of sad. Only, 
there is one thing that I look to, that I'm looking at here in the next month that makes me feel like we're all going to be okay and the world's going to move on, and that's the fact that the Egg Bowl would be most likely be between a three and eight Mississippi State team mm. and a five and six Ole Miss team. Mm. It's just like the good old days. Yeah, I mean, it, the more it, things it, it, it feels like 2011 when an Ole Miss, when State squeaked their way, you know, beat a bad Ole Miss team. Yeah, John, to, the, the more the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think we all pretty, know. We've got this one thing because I mean, the Cubs want to pin it. The Indians may win a probably win a World Series. The I, Cavs won a championship. I mean, I, I think like there's also show, it's, there's there's a possibility. That Hillary wins, and it's still on the table, uh, and, and the Democrats take the Senate and perhaps even the House. And it's possible in four years that the Republicans completely have, you know, over the next four years, they disavow Trump. You know, they they become a, a more unified party that has a better, you know, appeal to Latino voters who really should be a core Republican constituency. I mean, Latino voters share the values of the Republican parties on every Republican party on everything except immigration. It just it seems like an untenable position when you look at the demographics. I guess what I'm trying to say is you can look at Trump as a sign of what's to come or perhaps the last death throes of, you know, an outdated mode of thinking. I don't know which one it's going to be. We're, we're going we're gonna to see over the next I think it's the death decade. throes. Yeah, I, 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 I think so too, but we're going to see. Hillary getting reelected in 2020 is going to be a circus because yeah, Paul Ryan's going to. But see, Paul Ryan has damaged himself with his base. This has been a crazy election. It's just been a circus. It has. It's been a circus, and it's not going to stop on Election Day. To your question, absolutely, I think, especially if the Republicans retain the Senate and the House, it's it's going to be as bad, perhaps even worse, than the, the logjam that Obama dealt with uh, during the six years of his presidency after, after 2010 when he lost the Democratic uh, Senate. So we have that to look forward to. But at the same time, I've always kind of subscribed to the school of thought that gridlock in Washington isn't necessarily the worst thing for the country. But I don't know. Sometimes bold solutions by a party that's in power of all three, uh, you'd be in the Senate, the House, and the, and the White House, sometimes that kind of gets us in more trouble than when we just kind of stay on the middle road and fight with each other. But I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm voting for a in the Senate just on the principle of stagnation because every different sides of the fence. <laughs> Um, I think that's I think that's where I'm headed there. Who's but. the who's the uh, the Democrat again? I forgot her name. Maggie Hassan. Maggie Hassan. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I. Okay. You can you can condemn politicians for being craven yeah. and for changing their views, et cetera, et cetera. But I think you can also look at politicians like Kelly Ahot, like Kelly Ahot, mm-hmm. like Daryl Issa. These people that are scrambling to not be unseated, that are changing their tune, changing their business, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I, I, I think it's a good thing. I, they're, they're willing to change to be what their constituency wants. Maybe it's all talk, maybe it's all show, but politicians are supposed to be responsive. That's the point of a democracy. So I don't necessarily fault someone just for supporting Trump and then later changing their mind and saying, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Like, at least they changed their mind. Is my my opinion? Yeah, but I don't know. Maybe you're back. The on more that. the more shit that comes out about Hillary, the more pissed off I get at Trump because all he had to do is be a choir boy for six months, but he couldn't do it. I mean, I mean, I, I I think you should get you should be pissed at yeah, Cruz, Perry, uh, no, Chrissy. no, Trump, Trump, 
Trump blowing up those no, bullet, no, those it's because fishing. they any one of those guys could have taken Trump down in the primaries, but they were all afraid to hit the oppo. The Democrats have been going on for two months. The Trump sexual allegations have been out there for decades, and the Republicans were afraid to divide each other over that. But if they had gotten dirty, he wouldn't have been the nominee, and the Republicans would have won this election. Yeah, I mean, I, you can blame they're Trump, they're but I'm too, just. They're too dumb to win. But so. Trump isn't a politician. I think you got to blame the politicians for being bad at being politicians. Yeah. First and probably. foremost, that's my opinion yeah. on that. But yeah. I, I voted for John Kasich in the Mississippi GOP primary, and I'm proud of that vote. Um, I think some people have come out of this looking really good. John Kasich uh, looks like a principled individual. I, uh, um, That lost to Donald Trump. He's a loser at the end of the day. He's a loser. Yeah, but John, I mean... It, it, do you do you really want to win forty percent of the Republican Party and lose sixty percent of the country? Is that is that really being a loser? Because I think Kasich would have steamrolled Hillary. The GOP primaries and the yeah. Repu- the Democratic primaries they're just weird. Primaries primaries are weird, man. It's not anything like the general election environment. You kind of have to be two different candidates, and that puts you in a weird spot. No, I completely agree. I don't know. Well. I'm voting for Hillary, everybody. I encourage you to do the same, but uh, you do whatever you want. I don't, I don't really care that much. Um, I I'm writing think- in. I'm writing in Bill Belichick, although I got chastised for doing a write-in in a swing state. Which no, I'm I'm fine with it. I, I'm I'd rather you write in Bill Belichick than uh, check Trump. The box next to Trump. I cannot vote, vote for Trump, and Hillary should be in jail. So I refuse to vote for why should, it, why should Hillary be in jail, John? Uh, we don't have enough time for this. Oh We're my God. Here. We don't have enough time, or you don't know. I don't feel like pulling up the list of people that got killed by Hillary Clinton. Dude, so. are you kidding me? That is insane. You need to read the list and read how they were actually related to Hillary and Bill Clinton. Oh my god! They're public officials, my man. They know a hundred times more people than we'll meet in our lifetime. People die. There's, there's, people die. John, I'm I'm a thousand percent serious, man. You need to read the quote unquote Clinton death list and read what happened to them because what you've read, like suspicious suicide, uh, ruled an accident, blah blah blah, that's not actually true. Like basically, half the death list is that the National Transportation Safety Board is covering up all these airplane crash crashes that were apparently like assassinations. Is that really believable? Oh, people die. That's 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 a gem. That's a gem. I mean, it, okay. See, this is this is why political conversations in this country are dumb. Because like, people I'm die. just I know that I'm right, and you think that you're right, and we're not ever gonna get anywhere. I know that I'm right, and you think that you're right. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> people die. You just said she should be in jail for murdering people. If you want to make the argument about classified Co- information. Coaches- Coaches are fired. Coaches get fired. And people die. That's yeah. Well, I mean, it's true. But things are true. I, I just yeah. I mean, if you want to talk about the classified but, information, but, but, but I, hey, I but might hey, some but case. hey, but hey, Sanders, what difference does it make? At the end of the day, what difference does it make? So. What anything? What difference does anything make? This is getting existential, John. This is getting this is getting deep. Uh, you, you, I guess you guys haven't been bombarded with the Hillary Benghazi ad that's been going on up here. Uh, no, keep, no, we keep hammering the "what difference does it make?" quote. Yo, yeah, yeah, I have seen that. No, uh, it's pretty Trump, good ad. Trump runs those ads nationally because he doesn't really know how media buying works. I actually just saw one during this Monday Night Football game. 
Um, no, I mean it's a it's a fine ad. Uh, he's been outspent a lot, uh, but he's he's catching up some here. What do you think about uh, him pledging to donate a hundred million and then obviously not doing it? Why would anybody waste a second believing anything he says? It's a good point. Like it's a good point. Like when he says Hillary should be in jail. Uh, something uh, everyone's blind squirrel gets an acorn every now and then. <laughs> All right, so. Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is a good preview of what we're in for for the next four years. Uh, half of America just says she's not the president; she should be in jail. The other half is like, we voted for her, and we're not going to get anything done. But whatever. Four more years of stagnation, so we just got to get our you know. What does it matter? Hey, John, you sh- you can at least admit that a Hillary presidency would be a lot better for the markets than a Trump presidency. Yeah, that's true. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I, I don't think many reasonable business people want us to institute a twenty five percent tariff on imports because that's a bad idea. I'm with you because Brexit, Brexit, fuck me. I've got like a, it's a joke, but my internship with Rio Tinto last summer, they gave me like a four hundred pound pension or whatever because yeah. it's Europe and they give you pensions for internships. That's apparently. pretty. That's pretty nice. The exchange rate was a buck fifty-five last summer, and then goddamn Brexit, it's at one twenty something. Let me look it up. And but the, but but my letter is day. I only got the letter like two weeks ago, so that it's sucks. like this is a joke, guys. Like you waited a year to do this to me. Wait, wait you went for, you wait, waited for the pound to go from one fifty-five to one twenty-two. Like that is fucking ridiculous. That's funny. Utterly fucking ridiculous. Yeah. No, I mean I. I think that's what that's the scariest thing about a Trump presidency is just like what's going to happen to the economy. I don't know. I I doubt he could really do any of the stuff he says he's going to do. Like, can a president unilaterally revoke trade deals? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he can do that. But I don't know. I would just be worried that the panic that it would start. I mean, even the Comey thing on Friday, the markets were were freaking out for a second there. Yeah. Uh, but that's a good. That was that was good politics talk, John. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> I think of, we represent. I think we represented America. So yeah, I mean, this is a this is a good indicator of why people listen to the show because we have you know a good diverse range of views on these topics, and we're not afraid to uh, to talk about them. And we try to be half sane about it. We'll go with that. Yeah, I think so. so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for saying that I know I'm right and you think you're right. But, you know, that, that is a little ridiculous. Um, what I, difference does it make? I would, I would send you stuff about it, but I know you're not going to read it, so it's all good. Um, yeah. All right, let's – I guess we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up so we can watch this very exciting Chicago Bears-Minnesota Vikings game. This is god-awful football game. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm uh, going to be watching that Georgia Southern game on TV, so – that should be fun. 11 a.m. kickoff. Definitely not worth making the chip to Oxford to see Like I us. said, I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to our uh, mediocre Egg Bowl. Like, I think the rivalry has calmed down, which is good because it was getting stupid there for a while. Yeah, I think the rivalry is calmed will, down. I will say that I invested time yesterday, like, putting together a group of us. We're going to go be townies in Oxford the uh, Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. Nice. And Mike Leach is 5-0 and in the Pac-12. He gets Arizona and shit. Who else is it? Somebody else is dog shit. Um, blanking. Who's uh, Mike Leach? Wazoo. Does he play? He play. Oh, he coaches Wazoo. Does he get? Coaches uh, Wazoo. Does he get Oregon? No, he already played them, didn't he? He already played them. Why can't I not? Wait, think? He, he plays. 
Did they already play Washington? Is the Apple Cup early, or is that what? Well, Apple, no, no, this is the Apple Cup, like the Thanksgiving weekend. Right. Damn it! Who is he? He plays Arizona and some other shit team. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah. Cal, Cal. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Arizona and Cal at home, and then he goes to number twenty-one Colorado. If Mike Leach wins two of those three games, they play Washington at home the Friday after Thanksgiving, and it's in Pullman. Mike Leach is playing for a division title and to upset Washington. Like that just feels like the ultimate and eh, why the hell not game Thanksgiving weekend. So we need Leach to take care of business the next two weeks at home so we can make this game meaningful and we can all go be townies and watch it in Oxford, which would be hilarious. Yeah, so. that's a good plan. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Egg Bowl too. I mean, it, uh, and the pavilion opening is way more entertaining than anything Ole Miss, Ole Miss football has to offer me right now. Yeah, well. It is what it is. Yeah, Ole Miss football is is it not fun to watch right now. But like we like we talked about, basketball just around the corner. Good team, and don't forget about that uh, number one recruiting class in baseball. So there's uh there's there's still reasons to listen to this show, guys. Don't worry. Even when we lose football games, you can still tune in. You'll still get this this great back and forth, this great point counterpoint. Um, you know, so so don't give up on us. We uh, can come up with a new segment after Hillary gets elected. Scandal of the week. Uh, if this show is still going on at that S- point, S- Sanders might fire me as a co-host, so we will do it. <laughs> nah, I couldn't, I couldn't fire you, John. The show couldn't go on without you. But maybe we'll just, uh, we'll just table the show. We, 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 we could have a general like scandal of the week. It could be related to NCA anything in terms of uh, just a segment in honor of. Yeah, well, we'll, in, we'll on, in, in honor of uh, in honor of Ole Miss, right? In honor of Trump, Trump's got a lot of scandals too. We can make we can save him. He does, he does. And, and and lost in all of this is that Donald Trump is never going to have to release and get criticized and made fun of for his tax returns. Yes, never happening. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think he could he could be down by twenty points and he still wouldn't do it because it would only be worse for him. Agree, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, Let's see. We'll probably talk again before the election, John. It, it, assuming you're not busy this Sunday, we'll probably do a Sunday morning show again. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a Sunday morning show. So you know, we'll get to talk about the latest uh, charges against against Hillary Clinton and the latest uh, what assassination threats that Trump latest, makes, makes uh, from, the, the, from the stump speech or something like that. The latest version of locker room talk out of Trump. Sure, sure. Why not? So still plenty of time for that. Don't worry, guys. If you uh, if you love this last segment, because we know everybody loves talking about this election. Don't worry, we got another week. But uh, for now, win the show. Um, It's been a good one, John. Thank you for joining me. Everybody out there, thanks for listening. Uh, Don't forget, if you like the show, subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, But for now, we're signing off. Talk to you next week.
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.